Welcome to the online gathering of Redemption Hill Church. My name is Tanner Turley. I serve as one of the pastors. We're so thankful that you've joined us to worship God today. Whether you're new or not so new, all of you are special guests, not just of Redemption Hill, but most of all, the very presence of God who desires to speak to us and encourage us today. If you are new or, or newish to Redemption Hill in this online season and you haven't filled out our online connect card, we would love for you to check that out in the comment section so that we can get to know you and so that we can reach out to you this week. And thank you for joining us. Also, we have what we call next after the service today at 1130. It's a great opportunity to learn more about Redemption Hill get to know some of our leaders and other new people in our church. So I want you to make plans right now. If you've never attended Next, even if it was at Medford High School when we were there or in this online season, we want you to connect today and join us at 1130. The Zoom link will be provided now and at the end of the service. Well, today we're going to do something a little differently. It's something that we haven't done in a long time at Redemption Hill and certainly not in this online only season. And that is right now, we're going to jump right into God's word. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna go right into 1 Peter chapter four and then respond to God in worship in light of what we hear. You know, sometimes there's a, a, a myth or a, a false dichotomy that when we sing, that's when we're worshiping. Pedro and I have been talking about this, but that when we hear God's word, like that's not really worship. Worship happens either the before or after the sermon, but all of the service, everything we do, every moment of prayer, it's all an act of worship. So we're going to worship right now in 1 Peter chapter 4 as we hear from God's word. And then as we get to know more of who he is and the life that he calls us to, that's going to cause our hearts to want to respond to him in song and sing worship to him. So let me pray, and then we're going to dive right in today. Get your Bible and get ready. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord. We don't want one opportunity to be wasted when it comes to time with you. God, just as we would spend time with our loved ones and, and want to, to make that time count as quality, precious time, Lord, that's how we feel about these moments right now. And so, God, thank you that in your steadfast love, as Psalm 59 says, you meet us here and you desire to speak to us, to change us, to shed your love abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit as we hear from you and as we respond to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you open your copy of God's soul-searching word to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 19, one of the things we're going to see this morning is one of the most powerful features of the Bible. And this feature not only points to the veracity of God's Word, I'm talking about the truthfulness of it, but also points to why it is so practical in our everyday lives. I'm talking about the fusion between the realism of the Bible and its optimism. On the one hand, you have the realism. I mean, the Bible just tells it like it is. We get real talk. 
no embellishments, no sugar coating. Okay, we, we just, this is how life is. This is how your life is. This is how our world is. And yet, we also get words of hope, words of truth that set us free, words of a better today and tomorrow because God is present and he does rule over his world and he is pushing us to a greater future through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is what we see in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Peter starts off and he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. And so here's, here's the realism. There's a fiery trial that we walk through. Many fiery trials in life. And yet, against this dark background, Peter paints broad strokes of bright hope saying, Listen, even as you walk through these fiery trials, God is with you, He is faithful, and He will walk you through the fire. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. That's the title of my message, Walk Through Fire. I want to equip you today on how you, in your life, today, this week, this year, 2020, and into the future, you can walk through the fire. We're going to see three truths about suffering. That suffering should not be a surprise to us. That suffering provides a path to greater glory. And that suffering provides an opportunity for faith. Listen to the words of 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. Receive them as though you're hearing the very words of God yourself right now because that is what's happening here today. Here we go. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will become, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. How can we be equipped to walk through the fire? Well, Peter begins in verse 12, and he says, listen, to have God's perspective, to have his lens of seeing the world, which is ultimately going to help us walk through the fire. He says, number one, suffering is no surprise. Suffering is no surprise. Remember, 
Peter is writing this five-chapter letter to encourage them. That's what he says at the very end. He said, I've written this brief letter of exhortation. He wants to encourage them, no matter what they face, to keep moving forward. And I love the language that he uses here. He says, don't be surprised when you face this fiery trial as though something strange were happening to you. In other words, Peter understands. He knew Jesus had told him that in this world you will have trouble. I mean, we've seen this in 2020. Not only have we faced a global pandemic that shows us so very clearly that our world is broken, but now we are more aware than ever of the continued racial injustices that plague us as people and as a country, revealing not just brokenness around us, but brokenness within us. We face fiery trials, we face suffering. But Peter here is focused on suffering that we experience because of our love for and devotion to Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says. He, he, he says throughout, if you heard as I was reading, where he talks about in verse 13 how we share in Christ's sufferings. In verse 14, when we're insulted for the name of Christ. In verse 16, when we suffer as a Christian. In verse 19, when we suffer according to the will of God. And why is this so important for us to understand? Well, to follow Jesus is to live a counter-cultural life. There's no way around it. Your choices and actions present a tacit rebuke. That's meaning an unspoken rebuke of the people around you who choose a different lifestyle. I mean, this is not a newsflash, but when you tell people their way is not the way, they're probably not going to like it. And Jesus says, and he, he told us so eloquently in John chapter 15, he said, haters going to hate. That, that's what he said in so many words. I mean, you know, go back and read it. I'm mean, obviously paraphrasing what Jesus said, but, but he said it. Haters are going to hate. Why? He says, because when you represent my values, when you speak my words, they're going to hate on you because they fundamentally oppose me and my ways. And this is what Peter talked about earlier in chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, when he says, look, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In chapter 1, and now again in chapter 4, verse 12, Peter says that every trial provides a moment of testing, where in that moment of testing, God uses the trial to test us to show that our faith is genuine, like gold in a fire that is refined and shown to be genuine. Now our faith is shining forth as legitimate 
before God and before other people. And I just want to ask you this morning, as we think about fiery trials, what fire are you walking through? What's the suffering that you're facing in your life? Let me just speak very lovingly and pastorally to you right now. Something tells me this is not the first fiery trial you've experienced. And you know, I was reading this week on Monday morning, I was reading Numbers 33, and uh, at the end of that, that fourth book of the Bible, uh, in chapter 33, there, there's this long list, it's a travel log of all of Israel's journey through the wilderness years as God led them. And, and, and it, it gives, it gives a, a, a sequence of, of where they went and, and where they camped. And it talks about 42 different places where they camped. And, and I have to be honest, you know, I almost, not only if you ever do this, but even pastors, you know, sometimes when we're reading the Bible, it's just like, hey, this chapter seems to be saying the same thing over and over and over and over. It's like the genealogies, you know what I'm saying? It's like I can just try to like say all these names or I can just kind of skim over them really quick. And so I almost just kind of skimmed over it really quick. And then God said, hold on wait a minute. He said, you need to listen and listen carefully. These 42 spots of their journey represented 42 different moments and seasons of the faithfulness of God leading them on their journey. It's as if God was saying to me, hey, stop and listen. Remember my faithfulness, just as I led the people of Israel in a pillar of cloud by day, in a pillar of fire by night. I'm still leading my people in the same way by my Holy Spirit. And your life is representative of so many journeys along the way. And so it's, it's so important for us just to stop and look back and remember the faithfulness of God because it's His faithfulness in the past as we've been through different fiery trials that gives us faith in the future that He's going to continue to lead us more and more. I mean, this pandemic, it's a stop in the journey. Our fight for racial equality, it's another stop in the journey. And I just want to remind you, God will be faithful. He will take us to a better land. Did you know that that 42nd stop in Numbers 33 was there right on the banks of the Jordan River, right before they were going to cross over that river into the promised land? And it's no surprise that so many of the Negro spirituals, that the slaves in this country would sing, reference the Jordan River. Why? Because though they walked through a desert journey, though they traveled through a very grim and dark wilderness as slaves, experiencing evil and oppression and injustice, they did not lose hope. They held on to the promises of God. They knew that one day they would see the promised land. One day their children would see the promised land. And now today, we hold on to that same hope of a better future as we all work together to fight against racism and for racial equality. Yes, we face fiery trials. 
And we pray for all of our black brothers and sisters who feel that fire and so much differently than, than I do as a white man in this country. And yet we fight together to a better future, knowing that God will lead the way. He will show us as we depend on him. And so number one, Peter says, do not be surprised by suffering. Suffering is no surprise. But then he goes on in verses 13 through 18, and he says, suffering provides a path to greater glory. Now, now we just said, hey, you know, there's a hint of irony because we just said that suffering is no surprise. And yet what Peter says in verse 13 is very surprising, if not shocking. He says, what? But rejoice. Rejoice and be glad insofar as you share the sufferings of Christ. And I mean, I, I don't know about you, but every time I read these words, no matter how long I've been a Christian, a pastor, reading these, like these words always cause me to pause and step back. Peter, how could you say rejoice in suffering? But we see embedded here in verse 13, two reasons we can rejoice. Number one, when we suffer, we show that we are willing to be identified with Jesus Christ, that we are united, in fact, with him. We join him in his suffering when we suffer for his name. But not only that, Peter says, hey, rejoice and be glad because you're going to rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So, so Peter is, is saying, look, this, this present suffering has an expiration date. It has a timestamp on it. But the coming glory, as Romans 8.18 would tell us, is, is so much better because it is an eternal glory that will never die, that will never expire. And when we have this perspective, when we know that because of our union with Christ, because we're chasing after a better glory, a better kingdom, what we're saying is Jesus is better. Jesus is worth it. And so is his kingdom. This reminds me of Acts chapter 5, when Peter and John were arrested and called in. And it says in verses 40 and 41 of Acts chapter 5, it says, when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Now, what was Peter and John's response? It says, Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. What, what Peter and John said was, I'd rather suffer than dishonor Jesus because when I'm dishonored for Jesus, I actually bring honor to Jesus. I'm saying he's worth it. He's better. And not just Jesus, but Jesus' kingdom. In other words, I'd rather suffer now and receive a glory that will never die. Don't you love how the promise of future joy increases our joy in the presence in the present then in verse 14 peter shows us another way god works in our suffering listen to what he says if you are insulted for the name of christ you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of god rests upon you 
When Peter uses the word insult, he conveys so much more than criticism. I don't know about you, but most people, you know, they, they don't love to be criticized. But, but this is so much more than criticism. Criticism can be deflected. But being shamed seeks to damage one's so social standing. Maybe you've heard comments like, Christians are hypocrites. If you really love people, you would fill in the blank. Or how about, oh, they won't come with us because they're so spiritual. Or, you know, why are Christians so narrow-minded on so many different issues in life? Perhaps you've received insults. Perhaps you've received this kind of verbal abuse because of your stand for Christ. And yet, Peter says, listen, whenever you are insulted because of the name of Jesus, in that very moment, the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. He's saying the very presence of God marks your life. I love how he says this. He says that, that the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. He's talking in a present tense. It's not will rest upon you like one day when life is over and everything's said and done. No, it's a right now reality. This is the same language that was prophesied of Jesus in Isaiah 11 and then depicted in his baptism in Matthew and Luke 3 where the Spirit descends on him like a dove. It rested upon Jesus. This, the Holy Spirit of God, he rested upon Jesus and now he rests upon us who follow Christ. And so whenever we're insulted in our moments of pain, God is whispering to us, I am with you. I go before you. My glorious presence will continue to walk with you. When you walk through the fire, listen, God's presence and his glory burns brighter and hotter in our lives. And then Peter goes on to say in verses 15, through 18, he says that suffering provides an opportunity for us to glorify God. He talks about right living in verse 15 by saying this, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. In other words, he's saying, look, if you suffer for doing wrong, if you experience just consequences for doing wrong, then that's, that's what you deserve. So, so he calls them to holy living again, but then he says, but, but, but if you suffer as a Christian, verse 16, don't be ashamed, but glorify God in that name. He says when we experience wrong for our right, it's an opportunity to shine forth the bright presence of God. Because we're saying no opposition will stop my resolve of living for God in this life. And to reinforce this call to honorable living, Peter talks about the judgment that is coming. The judgment that every person who is in Christ and not yet in Christ, believers and non-believers, will all stand before God one day and be judged by him. And Peter says, listen, it's going to start with the church, the people of God, because God expects a higher standard out of us because we, we know him, we love him. But, but even for those who do not know him, they will experience judgment as well. 
And that judgment will be a more severe judgment because they have rejected God in their life and through their life. And so Peter calls us to this opportunity to glorify God by right living, but also even as we're put to shame by others, he says you have no reason to be ashamed because you can show that God is better, that he is glorious. You know, these verses right here in 1 Peter 4, they revolutionized my perspective on life in college. As I was learning more of what it meant to live for God and to be a witness for Christ. And I was taught in that season that when people see my life and when they hear the message of the gospel through my words, there are going to be three fundamental responses to my living for Christ and my words of witness to Christ. Number one, people will see our life and hopefully it's going to be a response of acceptance. In other words, they see our life, they hear our words, they, they like what they hear and see, and they want in on what we've experienced in the treasure of Jesus Christ. That's our prayer. That's what we want. But, but it's not always acceptance. Sometimes it's the response of curiosity. They, they, they see our lives, they appreciate certain things about us, but they're not sure they really want to follow Jesus, but they want to kind of watch and learn more. So acceptance is a win. Curiosity is a win. But then the third response is, of course, the response of rejection. Hey, I, I hear what you're saying. I see how you're living, and I want no part of it. Perhaps they even reject us to the point of persecuting us. But what Peter says right here is that is also a win. There's no need to be ashamed. In your rejection, you are bringing honor and glory to Jesus Christ. A person with this kind of perspective, a perspective informed by 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19, is an unstoppable person. Accept it. Show more curiosity, reject me. Listen, it's a win, win, win situation. Because even in suffering, suffering provides a path to greater glory. But then third and finally, suffering provides an opportunity for faith. This is what Peter says as he summarizes this section in verse 19. He says this, Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. When we entrust responsibilities or possessions or information or even our children to someone else, we are saying to that person, I believe you are so trustworthy that you are going to care for this or for them as if you were caring for your very own possession. And that's what Peter is calling us to here. He's saying, entrust your soul to God. Saying to God, God, you are in charge. I trust you with my life. My life is in your hands. You are completely trustworthy. I can have complete confidence when I turn my life over to you. 
This is a statement of faith, a statement and a posture of dependence and surrender. That God, my life is in your hands. I can trust you no matter what comes my way. Lord, you, you are for me. You are with me. You will take care of me. You will bring me into your glorious presence. That is our posture as Christians. But listen, this is not a blind faith. This is faith in the very faithfulness of God himself. Because don't miss what Peter says. He says, entrusting our souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And here's the logic. Just, just next time you're outside, as I am right now, and just look up at the sky and see the clouds and the beauty of God's creation. And just think about this. If God created everything your eye can and cannot see, don't you think that he is able to care for you? If, if God created the world and sustains the world and, and he keeps it all moving forward, don't you think that he has the ability to care for your life and to be faithful to take care of you no matter what you face? This is the secret to walking through the fire. We walk through the fire, through faith in Christ. That's what I want to call you to today. Walk through the fire, through faith in Christ. After all, Jesus, being our Savior and our great example, it says this about him in 1 Peter 2, verses 23 and 24. It says this about, about Christ. When he was reviled, when he was insulted, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Jesus entrusted his life, even in his moments of excruciating pain and suffering, he knew that God his Father was in control, that his life was in the Father's hands, that the Father would have the last word, that the Father would judge justly. And now we follow in his steps. No matter what fiery trial we face, no matter what fire we are walking through, God is with us. He is in control. And so no matter what you face today, know that God is with you. And if you are hearing these words and you haven't entrusted your soul to a faithful creator, if you are not ready for that just judgment of God through faith in Jesus Christ, I want to invite you today to turn to God and his love through Jesus Christ. Listen, you may be there watching today and you may say, Tanner, you don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know all of the wrong I've done. You don't know how filthy I am on the inside. And yet God is saying, listen, you don't have to come to, to you don't have to clean yourself up before you come to me. Just come to me. Receive my gift by admitting your need for me, believing in what Christ has done and committing your life to follow me all the days of your life. 
If that's you today, if you want to get your life right and have a right relationship with, with God through Christ, I want to invite you to respond today. Our online hosts are going to help you with that so we can help you in your new spiritual journey with Jesus. I want to pray for each one of you, and then we're going to respond to God by singing songs of praise to his great name. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the power and the truthfulness of your word today. We ask that you would remind us of these words, no matter what fire we are walking through, God, that we would remember, God, you are faithful. You are sovereign. You are in control. You are working things out for our good and your glory. And so, God, I pray that today's word would be a true word of encouragement, that we would not lose heart, that we would not lose hope, but that we would know that you are good and that we can keep moving forward because of who you are and because of what you have done for us in Jesus Christ and by the power of your Holy Spirit. So God, even now, as we turn our eyes to you and we lift up, and please help us to lift up our voices no matter where we are watching from this morning, let these words and these songs be a declaration of faith in you today because you are worthy of our praise. You were worthy of our songs bringing glory to you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.